Steve, uh, as we were talking, one of the things we we're going to do is have you recap last week's message. Yep. So why don't you go ahead and start that? Yeah, so thank you all for uh, hanging out with us last week, and we, we talked about the uh, actual point of crucifixion. Perry and I broke that down together, and uh, we kind of landed on Romans chapter 3, talking about some key uh, facts about the red, um, the crucifixion and the cross and the work of Jesus on the cross. And, you know, the, the, the big thing that comes out of this is that, that, that justification, that because of his work on the cross, and, and it hearkening back to the story of the Passover and making all those connections, we're declared not guilty because of Jesus Christ. So that wrath, that righteousness that, that, that God demanded sin separated righteousness now comes to us because of the justification and so so there's that beautiful understanding of grace then that the grace upon grace upon grace upon grace that is given to us is that we have the righteousness of Christ so so what sin has ruined and separated Christ's righteousness has what's been made right in our lives. That's that's grace upon grace. So that's kind of where we ended on um, last Sunday's message with the understanding that the story's not finished. Yeah. And so I think what's really interesting, if, if I can um, kind of tee it up for you to launch all this, I think it's very interesting that back in John 2, um, he's having a conversation with the Jews, and the Jews say, what, do, what sign do you show for us doing these things and Jesus answered them destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up so the interesting thing is is that Jesus is already pointing toward the resurrection not the crucifixion and he's the, the Jews then said it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days and it says but he was speaking about the temple of his body being raised from the dead so again Jesus's emphasis in all of this is not the crucifixion, but the resurrection. So the resurrection took place because of the crucifixion, and the crucifixion had to take place so that there could be the resurrection. So, so it's just a beautiful and exciting story to weave all together. And so it's exciting then to start to unpackage all of the symbols that really we kind of see in that resurrection story, and I'm excited about what you're going to break break to us today. Yeah, and so I, I want to just kind of tie in a couple thoughts that I had listening to the message. Um, one is that that and you've kind of covered it already, but is that imputed righteousness mm -hmm. of, of right. Christ upon us? I, I love that doctrine of the imputation, right? Uh, because apart from that, we would be left wanting in our sin. Right. Uh, but because of Christ becoming a curse. For right. us, with, which is that passage in right. Galatians chapter mm -hmm. three, that that is just such a powerful picture. That that all happens at the cross, right. and, I, and I was thinking about other things that the cross uh, represented, like uh, or, or that happened around Jesus and the cross. One is blood being shed right, exactly. that, that cleanses us from sin, um, and and then there's the picture of the ransom being paid, and, and so many things are relevant to the cross. And then we 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 have this pause right. um, where Christ is entombed. Right. And we're going we're to look at that this morning because um, I'll give you a, a bit of history um, to, to the, the burial of Christ. If you go back into Matthew chapter 28, we're not going to do that now, but maybe this afternoon you could you take a little bit of time just to go review that. Um, 
and just read the scripture. But one of the things that happened is when Jesus was taken down from the cross, they had to do something with his body. And so what they did is they took um, it down, and then Joseph of Arimathea had a tomb that was evidently nearby to Golgotha. And they took Jesus' body, and they, they wrapped it in um, cloths, and they didn't get to do the full burial um, procedure for him or preparation for him, but they took him and put him in the, in the tomb, and they rolled this stone in front of the tomb. And I think that's a key right there, because what happens is in that scene, um, after Joseph of Arimathea buries him and the, t the stone is rolled, the Jewish leadership goes to Pilate and they say, hey, look, there's rumors of him rising from the dead. And we want to make sure that those rumor or that those things can't be uh, or can't occur because we don't want people to think that he did rise from the dead. So they approach Pilate and ask him to do something. So Pilate says basically two things. He sends a guard. For some reason, Steve, in my mind, I've always had this like the guard, it's two guys, but I think it's actually more than that in a Roman guard. Easily done. And, and, and so that guard sets up at the tomb, but they, it says in the scripture that they also sealed the, the tomb. Sure. And so I don't know what that would have entailed, but I don't know if they took some kind of wax and put it at the, the door, but something that would have let them know that it had not been broken. Sure. So sure. you have two aspects of that that are set up. So with that in mind, we come to, to Mark chapter 16. That's going to be our text for this morning. And I want to uh, direct our thoughts to just this idea of the stone and what the stone represented in the, the life of the, the disciples, who, what it represents even for Christ himself. And so let's read uh, Mark 16, verses 1 through 3. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were there, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. Let's just stop there for a minute. And, and Steve, as, as I was studying this week, um, one of the things I came across was one of Spurgeon's sermons. And I say came across, I went to it intentionally. But Spurgeon has a way of, of drawing out a lot of metaphors, and he looks at this as a type. And I love the, the idea and, and of what this stone represented to these women. And it's no, I don't think it's any small statement that this is recorded in Scripture, that they were anticipating this stone being massive and and some kind of in their mind's eye I guess uh, the 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 weight of it was in, in just in, impressive and, and uh, awesome they, they didn't know what they were going to do and one of the things that I, I think that um, Spurgeon draws out is and I'm going to hit these three things that the stone is is cumbersome that it is sealed and that there's a guard and if we think through the things that um, are represented in Scripture, I think that we need to, to look at this concept, that, that first the stone represents the weight of our sin. That, that those women, though I don't know if they were reflecting on it then, but certainly for us, sin cannot be removed by any means of man. And for those women, they knew they had to have some help. So, so we can go back in the story and know what happened is that they're, right before they came, 
Um, it must have been as they were approaching because there's there's testimony of the, the earthquake that happened. Right. But that earthquake occurred, and then the angels moved the stone. The guards were afraid, and they, they flew away. Um, so this incredible picture of, of the stone, the, the, the picture of sin being so cumbersome, being removed because of the resurrection of Christ. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about earlier as you mentioned this, that, that the whole setup of the stone being there, the guard being placed, the seal being set, kind of harkens back to what we were talking a little bit about when we mentioned that those that gathered for the crucifixion were there for the spectacle. Yeah. And and I think, again, the Jews wanting to literally go, we're just going to continue to squash this little rebellion, and we're just going to make it so plain and so real. This dude's dead. He ain't coming out, and, yeah. and you ain't going to go in. Right. And so I think the, the reality behind that is, is that it, it, it sets a, a major precedence for... The underlying, in my mind, fear because these same Pharisees were the ones that were told in three days, mm. I'll rebuild it. Yeah. So while while I think it's a spectacle to some, there is a deep-seated fear. What if this is true? Mm. And so the Jews in their, in their own fearful way, what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen? So they're going, we got to find the biggest millstone. And that's probably what it was, was these large round yeah. millstones that were used to crush grain. could be two, three, four tons rolled right into place by a whole garrison of guards. And they said, we're going to seal this down. Yeah. So the weight, yeah. like you said, to me just really impresses that, that, that this is serious. Yeah. And they were serious about stopping it. Yeah. So, so we have the, the cumbersome of... Uh, nature of the stone that represents I think our sin the and the weight of it and how we, we don't, we can't remove that in and of ourselves, no. but Christ does that. I think there's a second aspect that when we think about this picture of the seal that comes up, the seal and I don't know if Pilate necessarily showed up and walked by and set a seal in, in some kind of right. wax. I, I don't think that's probably what happened but, but no matter what the seal was some kind of legal representation of how the law was laid out that no one was to disturb his tomb. Exactly. Now, and I want to think about that for just a minute. When we think about the nature of sin and what it does, it, it legally separates us from exactly. God because we are, are found because of our sin nature and because of our committing of sin, legally unjust right. and unrighteous before right. God. Right. But because of Christ and his work, especially in the resurrection, what do we find? The seal is broken. The right. law of sin and death. And that's one of the things you talked about yep. last week in Romans 3. Right. Is the law has been overcome right. because of Christ. What incredible news. The seal has been broken yeah. by Jesus. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think even again, even if it was a, a legal posting that the, yeah. that the guards had just put right on there. this it, It's literally saying this, this legal precedence has been set to separate you from what you want to get after. You are not going in, and it is not coming out. Yeah. So again, weightiness, weightiness to that of what sin does to us, and the recognition and the understanding that the law points that sin out. Yeah, Thomas, could you pull up the, the lyrics to "In Christ Alone"? There's a line: um, "No power of hell, no scheme of man." When we think about the guard in place, 
that guard is a representation of authority. We'll get the lyrics up in just a second, I think. Thomas is scouring. But the the idea of the guard being placed there, that there is an authority in place. And and it made me think about the enemy schemes, that that he has the authority in this world where he wants to uh, prevent mankind from responding to the, the, the gospel. And so here the lyrics are. It says, uh, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. So, so when the stone was rolled back and the guard was dispersed, yeah. the, the, it's that picture that the power of the enemy just was running. overcome. Yeah, yeah, he, was, he was running. Yeah. And there's no uh, power that is uh, capable of preventing the work of the Holy Spirit from redeeming us. And and there's just something amazing about those three symbols that are all kind of, I say kind of, but they're all represented right there in the stone. Um, So, Steve, you know, I was thinking a little bit further about this. So, He gets up and he walks out of the tomb, and nobody sees him doing this. Um, but but in that moment, there's something that is, I think, present in the scriptures, that, but it's between the lines of the text that we need to, to think about for just a minute. If Christ had not accomplished everything that he set out to do perfectly, that would have meant this. He would not have resurrected. That the stone would have remained in place, that, that he would not have accomplished enough, and he would still be, in a sense, having to pay the penalty for sin. But Jesus' work was complete on the cross, and because of that, he did everything that was worthy for him to be resurrected and, and to win the victory for us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and so um, he no longer remained captive to, to sin or, or to, to the curse of sin, and to separation from his father, but because of him completing that work, he he did it in f- uh, fullness, and in, it enabled him to be resurrected from the dead. And so there's this passage, and um, we we kind of refer to it in worship this morning already, but it's in First Corinthians 15. And I, I love this passage of scripture, and, and I just want to take a minute to to read this as we think about Christ having completed his work. In in 1 Corinthians 15, the second part of 54, it says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O uh, O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. So so hear how those same concepts that we've been talking about. But in verse 57, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That, that, to me, is a, a weird little sentence in a, in a, a way. It, it, I, I want something to follow up after it. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, I, But that's the end of it. It's like Paul just stamps it. Now, I know there's a verse after that. But but that's just the, the, the pinnacle of his thoughts right. in that passage. That Christ has given us the victory. And we need to thank God because right. of that victory. Well, you know, and it's interesting. So the follow-up verse Therefore, my beloved brothers, what does it say? Be steadfast and immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. 
So, so it, it's all because of Jesus Christ. The power of, of death and sin has been rendered. The judgment has been placed. So what the law made, made real in our lives and then brought to us, Jesus created the victory. Yeah. And so in typical Pauline fashion, he takes the great theology and almost a doxology in yep. that moment. In another, yep. And then he says, now, practically, this is how you ought to live. Yep. Don't just let it be a, a, a deep heart you know, um, stirring, like a fountain of, of love to the Lord, but let it pour out in your actions. Yep. And so I think that's a beautiful picture that, that when we consider these things about who Christ is and what he's done and what he's accomplished and, and the victory that he's secured, we ought to not just worship, but we ought to apply this in our lives uh, in, in what he says to be steadfast and movable, abounding in the work. And I think that, that phrase right so there, is, it is so powerful. powerful. Um, so let me uh, just turn the, 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 the dial just a little bit more okay. um, on this concept of the stone. And uh, because we're, we've been looking at that, how the stone was rolled away and the, the symbolism of, uh, of that. But I want to talk about a couple more things that I think the stone represented. Um, first of all, when, when you think about stones in, in Scripture, one of the things, and, and this picture comes especially as I think through what must have happened with uh, the Marys and Salome as they approach. And it says that they looked up. So I imagine that the tomb must have been on some kind of top of a hillside and as they were approaching it they they looked up the hill to see what they were going to to like make their way up towards and the stone's gone now historically in in jewish life when god had done something amazing how did they mark where that uh amazing place uh was or the the work of that amazing place they marked it in that location by doing what Stones on a rock cairn built up. A, that's right. They, an, an altar <laughs> or a cairn or a, a memorial spot. Yeah. So, so sidebar to that. My thinking, how how I kind of envision it. And again, there's there's no there's no fact behind this, but it kind of makes makes a little bit of sense and kind of sets up where you're going with this. That if it was a millstone, the likelihood of being rolled away, what would it have eventually done? This this disc probably would have fallen flat and there would have been this incredibly large flat millstone just right there on the yeah. ground just boom so pretty pretty pronounced and, and so but no matter what right. how it all ended up right the, the i think the important thing for us to remember is when we think about the resurrection of christ mm-hmm. and the tomb and the stone being rolled away there is this in a, in, a, in mind's eye picture a memorial stone exactly to the resurrection right. of Christ and his work being complete his victory being sure oh, so that, so it's a great little yep. picture mm-hmm. um, the the uh, another thing that that stones did or served a purpose of is that they serve purpose of a foundation right. Steve you and I were talking about that I want to read one verse it's still in 1 Corinthians 15 mm-hmm. 17 talks about the resurrection being the foundation for our faith. Listen to this verse. And it says, If Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Mm -hmm. See, the foundation for our faith is the resurrection of Christ. And what he's accomplished is the overcoming our sins. And there's nothing futile about our faith. We have freedom in Christ, and in his, his resurrection secures all that. Steve, as we were sharing that this morning, you had some other thoughts about the, the foundation stone that, that I want 
just to turn it over and let you share a little bit. Well, uh, again, I think that, um, so again, in my mind's eye, that stone being rolled away and falling right there, this, this massive stone that is just there as a foundation. I, I, I think back to when we were talking about teaching the communion mm. with, our, with our kids and, and, and the, the actual physical things that they could touch, they could feel, they could see. We talk about the work of, of Jesus on the cross, and we, can, we, we have crosses that people will wear around their necks. We'll have them in our, in our buildings. But, but the idea, once again, that that stone being a foundation, being a marker, being a memorial, is one of those wonderful teaching tools that we can take back to our kids and say, this is a marker in, in, in my life that the work that Jesus did on the cross was completed by his resurrection. And this stone is a foundation for that. It's, it's, it's a standard for that. Yeah. It's a memorial for that. It's a marker for that. That you can always see the stone being rolled away in victory in Jesus over sin, death, and hell. And so that to me is a, is a beautiful story to, to teach your kids and to say, man, what a great opportunity to take a stone somewhere in, in your home and have that stone placed and go, this is a memorial that the stone has been rolled away. Yeah. So we, we talk about uh, this idea of the, the stone being a foundation. Um, one of the, the pictures that I have is Christ says of him, or is said of Christ, that he is the cornerstone. Exactly. So uh, Spurgeon gave this analogy of like an archway where the cornerstone would be that center stone that holds the, all the pressure and everything together. And if you remove the cornerstone, what happens? Everything crumbles and falls. If, if Christ and his resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith, we cannot do without the resurrection. And so as believers, I, I certainly hope that we would come back to a verse like 1 Corinthians 15, 17, and, and remember that the resurrection is the key doctrine to what our faith and our hope rest on. Um, Steve, you used the, you, you referred back to uh, Jesus talking about the wise man. Oh, yeah, another, another great story was, again, use of stones in that imagery because Jesus was all about the parables and all about these, these figurative um, ideas that you could put to, put to practice and, and the whole idea of the wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built it on stone. Or on sand, and right. so that rock being the firm foundation, he is our firm foundation. Again, just yeah. another great word picture. Yeah. So, so this Easter morning, as we're celebrating the resurrection, our hope is that we would remember that the stone was rolled, and, and all these pictures uh, that surround that the imagery uh, of the the stone would be an encouragement to you about the hope. Uh, of Christ that, that he offers that is the truest and surest hope. One, one of the things that um, I, I didn't really plan on talking about, but I'm going to flow, flow it into the message this morning, and is that the resurrection had so many witnesses to it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so we have this sure foundation by the witnesses, by the testimony of Scripture, and, and, and we can rest assured that, that Christ has accomplished all he set out to do, that God our Father, his plan was perfect and perfectly enacted through Jesus. And now the Spirit bears witness of those things to us. And, and he's constantly working on our spirits, uh, challenging our flesh 
so that we would respond rightly to the hope of the gospel. And, and man, sorry, I didn't know I was going to get emotional. I, I thought I might. But um, as, as I think about that, as the Spirit is working, I, I want to ask a simple question this morning. How is the Holy Spirit working in your life? How are you finding victory in Christ? How is your hope being secured? Do you, do you recognize that Jesus has accomplished everything on your behalf, that his, his gift to us of grace is fully, complete? There is nothing that he did not accomplish. And he is not captive in the grave. He is resurrected. And we have a sure promise of hope in Christ. This morning for us as believers, I, I trust that that just encourages, encourages you in your faith. That it gives you a reason to celebrate this Easter morning. To, to look at one another and, and not just say he is risen, he is risen indeed. As kind of a um, just pattern or a moment of history. But it would be something that spills out the, the depths of your heart. If you're not a believer... Here's what we want to offer you is one, counsel. Please reach out to us at, at, here at the Grove Church. You can email us um, at the, our, our web information. It's real simple. It's thegrove431.com. Uh, and you can get on our website and, and fill out forms and stuff there. Our phone number is 615-382-1522. And I'll repeat that. It's 615-382-1522. We want to counsel you. Uh, we want to take time to make sure that you understand the, the message of the gospel and the hope of Christ. But, but even beyond that, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till this afternoon or Monday to reach out to us. You can, right where you are, pray to receive Christ. It simply means this, that you know that his death, his burial, and his resurrection accomplished what God set out for the, those things to accomplish, that Christ in his fullness completed the work of our salvation, that he became a curse for us on the cross. He, he bore our sins. And that if you believe in your heart that God uh, raised him from the dead, the scriptures say that you will be saved. So you just confess those things to him. It, it, it doesn't. It's not a big complicated thing. Um, and so you can pray that right now, uh, right where you are. So we want to encourage you to, to do that very thing if you don't have a faith in, in Christ. But this morning, again, Steve, I don't know if you have any other thoughts. We're going to do a song that kind of wraps all these things up. Um, and hopefully it will be an encouragement to you about the, the stone being rolled away. And um, God just doing an incredible thing in, in and through Jesus Christ. I think we're going to do just heartbeats first. Oh, are we? Yeah. I'm going to step out. No, I want you to, you, you don't no. want to leave. It's cool.
surrounding death turns to breath again. He breathes out his word in flesh once more. The Lamb of God slain for us is a lion ready to roar, and his heart beats. So crown him the Lord of life. Crown him the Lord of love. Crown him Wait. 
What a great message this morning. Thanks, man. I was God's just good. He word is good. good. Yeah, his word is good. It was just whew. so grateful that Christ is risen so, from the dead. Amen. I'm excited. I'm excited to go home and go back over all this stuff. <laughs> I'm excited to do this song with you. Let's try. So it's, it's live. So are we going to tell them as they you can stay and watch us, you can stay and listen, but go connect in communities and change lives? Yes. And all right. Connect people with Jesus so yes. their lives are changed. Amen.